0: there's gotta be a better way to just get the message out in a broader sense. And I found, you know, social media, podcasts, webinars, articles, things like that, where you're just reaching a massive amount of people at once with this same message, as opposed to, you know, speaking to individual, you know, people over and over and over.
1: I'll never forget that day when I asked myself the question, is this it? Is this all there is to strive for in life? That day, I set out on a journey to find more. Now, I am sitting down with the most fulfilled to teach us the tools and tips they use to get there so we can do it faster. Think different, earn different, live fulfilled. This is Contrarian Cashflow. Welcome back, Contrarian Cashflow. I've got the one and only Yona Weiss with me. Yona, how are you doing?
0: I am doing wonderfully, John. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, going to be a lot of fun.
1: No, I'm really looking forward to it. So, Yona, I'm going to change it up a little bit. So, I'm going to say the value add king, right? Cost segregation expert, LinkedIn expert, and above that, obviously, uh, outstanding family man. So, Yona, I know you just had a little bit of time off, but uh, what are you working on today?
0: Um, you know, always every day, I'm working on uh, podcasting, <laughs> which has <laughs> really been my my best hobby for the past uh year or so it's been a lot of fun but working on the cost irrigations you know this is time of year people trying to get a lot done before the end of the year and believe it or not working on my first multi-family uh investment as a as a sponsor as a gp so a lot going on right now literally in the span of the last couple weeks especially having taken off about two weeks it's you know coming back to a huge landslide of a, a lot going on but it's a lot of fun
1: yeah, no, absolutely. That Well, well that, that's awesome. I'm super excited for you. So uh, I did forget to plug. So I would recommend any of my listeners to go out there and, and listen to the Weiss Advice podcast. I've gotten a lot of value out of it. And it's nice because it takes a little bit of a different perspective, kind of akin to what we're trying to do here on Contrarian Cashflow and kind of understanding people and kind of their motivations and their whys. So anybody out there, definitely go and check it out. yonah has got some outstanding guests on there. So, well, so I, I want to start a little bit further back. I know we were just talking about it prior to, but I, you know, I didn't know a little bit about the story of you growing up in Southern California, San Diego State. I'm sure you went there because it's a great party school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so let's kind of dig in. I mean, so you've got this great professional background with this, you know, wide breadth of experience. So I, I want to kind of understand you in a little bit more detail. So, you know, so, Hey, you're going to college at San Diego state, you come out, and what, what's the progression from there professionally and personally?
0: So it's so believe it or not, there was like very little interest in, uh, in anything professionally in college or, you know, really for a long time after that, believe it or not, I had, I was kind of like a rebel in a lot of ways because I, I didn't like school. I was not a big fan and I didn't really find myself. I didn't really find what I was passionate about in, until, you know, a few years into college. And, you know, a lot of kids go to college and especially we're going back 20 plus years ago to age myself a little. It was it was almost a given like you have to go to college, right? Why? Because you need to go it's to the college, rite of it's it, the
1: right of passage.
0: You know, and it's really it's kind of a circular log- logic in a lot of ways. Why do you need to go to college? Because I need to get a degree. Why do you need a degree? Because I need to get a job. Why do you need a job? Because I need to have money. Why do you need money? Because I need to eat. I need a place to live. Why do you need a place to live? Because I need to live. Why do you need to live? Oh, I didn't get there yet. Like, what's life about? Right? Why am I living? And you kind of go, oh, okay, because I need to go to college. Right. oh yeah, uh, <laughs> <'cause he> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you know no one really talks about about any of that, about what you know what's life really about? what are you supposed to be doing? And so I was really kind of rebellious in terms of I didn't really want to go to college. and I ended up having to pay for it myself, which was another reason why I didn't want to go. And it was like just something that you you needed to do. And so for me, I found my first passion really in life was, was my religion, right? Which was Judaism and the, the Torah. And so I decided I want to go to Israel because that's like the place, like the central for the Jewish people and especially to study and to be immersed in the society and the culture, you have to go. And so I was like, okay, I, got, I just got to go. And it kind of pushed off and I was supposed to go and ended up taking my junior year abroad as a study abroad program. So I'd still be getting credits, uh, by going, and I would be able to finish my degree. And that was really the plan. Although my plan originally was, you know, just, just go, you know, just go uh, and find out what, you know, what life's all about. And that was kind of my underlying purpose. And, and that really, you know, taking a step back why I went to San Diego State, like you mentioned, it was a big party school. There it
1: is. <laughs> there's, there's,
0: there's some truth to that. And, um, you know, it was also, I wasn't never really a good student. I was into other things and into sports and into other things. And so getting into like a really good school, I didn't have much interest in the first place, but it wasn't my first priority. So being there, I find that everything that happens to a person in their life is really happens for a reason. So the people you meet, the places you go, and the, place, the people that I met in San Diego were extremely instrumental in, in like kind of shaping my life and, and who i am and and i really had some incredible mentors at that stage in the first couple years in college nothing having to do with college itself meaning i had some great professors i had great friends and stuff like that but it was really kind of the extracurricular people that i met in the community families and, and people a rabbi in particular and that was really I had a lot of influ- influence on me And especially to, to then going to israel and that was like life-changing so i i went to israel and actually ended up not wanting to ever leave. And it was like, I'm there, have, you know, kind of finding myself as a person spiritually, maturity, it's kind of like that, you know, the catcher in the rye, right? The rite of passage, and you're kind of going there, and you know, you, know, you got to just grow up, right? And that was my growing up, like just being on my own, totally independent, without anyone, no family, no, nobody, not even knowing the language that much, although I didn't did know it enough to have conversations, and just immerse myself. And that was, that was huge. So, that's a little bit, not, not to go too deep and to go too off the far end, but that helps shape who I am.
1: Yeah, no, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I think I, I struggle with the same sentiment sometimes about, you know, hey, you, you got to go to college, right? That's just kind of what everyone, and, and you know, I, I was very fortunate. My family was well off enough growing up, and so there, you know, there weren't a lot of struggles, but that was just kind of the only option, there wasn't really any other options. It was like, you go, to, you go to college and the kids that didn't end up going to college, they almost had, you know, this type of scarlet letter or something, you know, it's like you either going to the service or, oh, well they're not going to college and kind of looked down upon it's interesting to your point. I really struggled with that going into college myself. I went in as pre-med and realized pretty quickly, I I just didn't love school. And so how could I see myself being there for another 10 years? I could barely stand, you know, another three. Well, I guess I say I didn't love school, but I definitely hung out a little bit more than four years. So (laughs) I guess maybe that's the pot calling the kettle black a little bit there, but, uh, (laughs) A victory lap uh, or maybe a victory lap and a half. But uh <laughs> but anyways. Um but no I I think that's such a great and interesting point and uh I think it's so empowering you were able to really find yourself in, in those passions and you know it's kind of taken me a little bit past that time frame of college and professionalism and to really understand what motivates me, my why and you know really having my family. So okay, well that was that was a great, you know, start to all of this. So introduction. So, yeah, absolutely. So One of the things that's really interesting to me is you're just so willing to give your time, your expertise, your knowledge to to so many people. So, but I want to go back to the time when you were a teacher, and so I kind of want to want to learn how did you get involved in that, and what was that experience like? It was really more about, for me, it was just like I love to
0: teach. That was like one thing that I really loved to. I was somewhat passionate about, and I had a, a love for even from a young age. So even. During you know, junior high school and high school, I was like a teacher's assistant, and I was like a private tutor, and I would help like kids, and I was a camp counselor and like a youth advisor for like you know, you know community groups and things like that. So I was I was always kind of in that mentor that kind of teacher role, and I loved that, and that was just to me natural. And you don't and I I learned pretty quickly something that I still live to very strongly today that. You don't have to be like the world's expert in order to teach something you just have to know something a little better than those others and you can help them get you know get to a further level or to to where you're at up to speed and so that was kind of my my philosophy in general so I just kind of fell into to teaching that it was okay now I can do this and maybe do it a little more professionally do it as a, a career do it as something I can you know spend time doing something that I love and actually get paid for it and that was you know, cause again, I didn't have any from the time growing, even now, like I have no real like desire for money. Right. There's a lot of people who grew up with like capitalism. You just gotta get it. I was never really an entrepreneur. I was never really like about like, how do I make money? How do, just like, you know, if I can have enough to live off of frugally and just be happy and <laughs> right. So I wasn't like interested in what profession should I get into and what job should I have? I had jobs growing up throughout high school. I had different various jobs and things, even college, I paid myself, uh, you know, through, so I had jobs, but it was never like, I, you know, I'd like to do this and that. And the other thing, cause I need to get this money. I need to, I was just like, what can I do to get by? What can I do to just enjoy life and uh, enjoy what I do and have enough to, to kind of, you know, pay for, the lifestyle that I had, and um, until a point came, you don't have to segue into to anything else, but where it just wasn't enough, and I needed to find something else. Just it wasn't feasible. I had a, a larger family at the time, you know, married and and kids, and it was just I needed to figure something that would foot the bill a little more. So that's yeah.
1: Well, I think maybe that's maybe an interesting <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Well, I think that's an interesting dichotomy between saying growing up, you know, you really weren't super passionate about school itself, and just kind of an interesting commentary kind of i guess on society right you weren't interested in school but you loved learning and you loved teaching and so it's kind of I don't know. That's an interesting dynamic. So, and then obviously playing within that kind of present day, you know, we won't skip ahead that far, but I just think it's interesting, com- you know, in comparison to what you're doing present day and just the willingness and the drive to really help and build up other people. So, okay. So like, as you said, I mean, obviously it's great to, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to get to a point where you need some, you know, maybe, you know, a little bit more means to be able to provide for the family and, and the lifestyle that, that you guys want to live. So, so obviously you did that for a while and then, you know, what this I guess about five years ago, you got into real estate. So what, what made you go, you know, your teacher, educator, you know, helping all these, you know, different, you know, children you know, families, whatever. And now you're transitioning into real estate. Why real estate versus anything else?
0: So there was that transition. I, I kind of hinted to it before, but it was just like, I needed something more. And to me, i like you said, I'm a, I'm a learner. I love to learn. Um, and there, I kind of made a uh, calculation very simple calculation. And there were really two factors. If factor number one was what can I go into that will require me no formal education. Okay. So what career path can I know, like transition into that I don't need to go back to school for. Okay. Number one. And number two, simultaneously with that has the greatest potential income, uh, possibilities. Okay, so with those two factors combined, I kind of narrowed it down and real estate was like at the top of the list. And so there, because there's also, there's so many different fields within real estate. So I, I, even, I didn't even think about necessarily like investing. And I knew that, you know, I had friends that did that. I had family members. My parents uh, own some uh, single family properties out of state and started that only about like 10 years ago. So I kind of learned from them about what they were doing and I was intrigued by it they bought some rental properties, single family rental properties, and they were like making, you know, some, some money from it, getting some good investment. And, but I'm, that was the calculation I made. So it was like, I was open to doing something totally different, but I needed to, it needed to be calculated and it needed to be worth my while. And so it just came to real estate. And so <laughs> I started out in, doing some commercial mortgages, brokering, and, um, and then I got realtor's license, just, you know, learning how to be a residential because there are so many different areas within real estate and all of them have a lot of growth potential. You know, the commissions on you know, certain deals can be very, very, very large. Right. And again, not that I was really interested in the money, but I knew that I needed to have that money. I need to start focusing on my family. I had kids growing up. I need to focus on, you know, putting away for them and, you know, helping them. And so I knew it was a time where like, I needed to like, focus on that. But again, not that that was like my main drive, it was just, I know I needed to do that. So, how can I get there? What's the shortest way to get there? Kind of like the, it's, there's two different paths to take. There's the short, long path, and there's the long, short path, right? <laughs> so, the, the, you know, the road diverges into two, and you don't know which one to take. It's, it's the long way. I'm going to go a very, very long way, and maybe I'll get there eventually, but I'm, I'm going to be wrought with a lot of pitfalls and a lot of, uh, you know, bandits and you know who knows what's going to come my way because i think it's really the shortest path or i can take the long path which is going to take a lot longer but it will be much more pleasant and you'll 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 have a great journey and you'll get to the destination exactly where you need to go so that was kind of my my if you will calculation
1: yeah no absolutely and i I think that's you know a lot of people that are getting you know to the point where they have families and children a lot of the decisions that they're having to make are you know maybe they would pursue something differently or maybe they would kind of keep down the path that they're going but when you start having more responsibilities it's just it's just a different dynamic and so i think that's what a lot of people struggle with is pursuing something that has a bigger purpose or has more meaning to them versus something that you know is able to compensate them enough for their time that they can fulfill the family and you know monetary obligations and so i think that's just it is a difficult balance because you've got to be able to do both right you know and so i think that's finding that way and that's why i think your story is so great because you kind of go back to where you are today kind of back to that teaching and that helping others and you know but you've been able to find a way to make that so that's also lockstep with your career as mm-hmm. well so so you you said you did a couple things in real estate. You know you kind of tried brokerage, loan origination, all sorts of stuff. So so how did you end up at, at Madison Specs? How did how did you get there?
0: It's actually a great story. So uh, I don't know how many often I've told this story, but it's it's an incredible story. And, and as I mentioned before, I believe very strongly in like divine providence. So like everything that happens happens for a reason. And a lot of things, if you're able to focus in and see those things, you can you can literally your mind can be blown by the incredible, you know, calculations that things have to happen, that certain people meet in certain places at certain times. And people may put that on randomness and, you know, coincidence. And I don't really believe in those words. I I honestly don't. So a friend of mine who had been, uh, who actually was one of my partners originally with the loan originations, and we ended up doing some fix and flips together. At a certain point, he moved on. He ended up working for a, a startup company, which was a mortgage company, a startup mortgage company. But he ended up running that company for a long time. And well, not long time because we're talking only five year period. But I reached out to him. I said, you know, listen, I've been doing this brokerage thing for a couple of years, and not really enjoying it that much. I didn't enjoy the hustle. I didn't enjoy the cold calling. I didn't enjoy the, you know, going door hopping. You know, things like that. But I still like real estate. I want to be involved. I want to find different things. Like, do you know of anything? Have you heard of anything? Or just keep your ears out, right? Keep your eyes open if you hear of anything. And he said, listen, I have a friend, right? And you actually know him as well. I, I knew of him as a, you know, acquaintance. And he said, I know he just got hired by this company, Madison. Maybe they're hiring more people. And this was literally just a few weeks ago. I said, oh, wow, that's incredible. So I reached out to this gentleman and he's like, yeah, actually, we're hiring more people, uh, love to, to speak with you. And it was just, we had one interview, he was like, okay, you're the most qualified person that I've had an interview, We we'll just when can you give me your decision? It was just like that. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't really know what this entails, but I'm happy to find something new, and you're a great person. Uh, the company, I inquired about amazing people, uh, you know, great culture. Well, why not? Let's, let's find out what this is about. So we'll take a few steps back. I was like, well, how did... You know, I call my friend back, David. I was like, "How did you even know like that this guy, right, was was hired by Madison? Like, you're not really good friends with him. Like, what happened?" He's like, "Oh, literally, you want know this great story?" So he goes on to tell me the story. He he had gone out to dinner, in you know, his boss had taken him out to dinner in like out of town. Like, they were not even in the area where they lived. You know, about an hour and a half drive. Like, let's go to this great restaurant. So they ended up driving there first time ever in this city, and he gets out parking his car and he runs into this guy, Yitz, who was the person who hired me, you know, ended up hiring him for Madison. He's like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, what are you doing here? <laughs> uh, I'm just meeting my brother because we're driving halfway from where I live, where he lives. Literally out of the blue, random coincidence, like both of them were in this place for the first time ever and parking their cars like next to each other. And they had known each other from years before. So it was like, you know, when you run into someone randomly, like they got to just schmoozing, just talking, you know, small chat, what are you up to? Oh, I just was hired by this company, Madison, et cetera. And that was literally like that. So it was out of the blue, you would say, totally coincidence that, he, that my friend even knew about it. And I reached out to him, hey, have you heard of anything? And popped into his head, why don't you speak to the kids? Yes. That was the long it. So I took that as like i literally took this divine providence okay this is something there's a reason why i was brought here you can you know people again can put that on coincidence whatever they want to do it i saw it as you know a great reason for me to you know pursue this and it happens to be i enjoyed it very much i picked up very very quickly what we were doing there that's how i
1: got there that that's an incredible story and and i'm kind of of the same thought process as you know things happen for a reason, you know, not necessarily defining on how that happens or or why that is. But I mean, like you said, I mean, what happenstance, you know, that you're, they run into each other in this random, you know, town. And then all of a sudden, you know, now present day, you know, where things are at. So I just, I don't know. I think it's really fun sometimes to look back at circumstances and just like, man, that, that really just right. worked out, <laughs> you know, but it's like, well, did it, or is that what was just was meant to happen? So, right. um, no, that is, that is an amazing story. So, okay. okay. So you get to Madison. So obviously you just become the cost seg king, like next day, right? That's pretty much yeah. what happens. Pretty much. No, it, it took, it <laughs> took quite a while. So, you know,
0: I, I got in there and I found, you know, I was, uh, training and basically, you know, learning the ropes, what conservation is all about. And we have a huge team of accountants and um, you know, the engineers. And so I really learned from these people who have been in the industry for decades. And I just started being myself and actually just picking up everything really quickly. I have a very good ability to just learn new concepts very quickly. And I ended up just asking a lot of questions. And it really wasn't until I kind of found LinkedIn and this was, you know, close to, close to three years ago already, where I kind of found it. it was like, oh, this is a great platform to start, you know, just sharing some ideas, some thoughts, just networking. And I ended up writing an article and then someone, you know, just writing random posts about congregation. and, you know, one person, two people here like this, like that. And then someone reached out to me to be a guest on their podcast. And I was like really nervous. Like I've never been on a podcast before. I don't know what to, you know, I actually have a background. I did a little bit of, you know, acting and drama in high school. So I, I'm, I'm comfortable in front of, you know, interviews. I'm comfortable talking with people, but I was like nervous. Like, uh, you know, so I asked my, our tax director, our head accountant at the, one of the top accountants in our company to kind of do it with me, like do a joint interview let's interview both of us and so they asked all these questions and we're answering and I was like and afterwards he turns with me he's like you're great you don't need me <laughs> He's like like well you know me on the call like you know you know as much as I do on the subject and I just you know want to show you that after having been in the company and been in the industry for you know about a year or so and just studying frantically and having those conversations and just asking all the questions and it's not that complicated of a topic when you delve into every detail of it and you asked all the questions. So I just found, this is something and I kept speaking to people, you know, on the phones and in meetings and it was just like, well, what's conservation? I found myself just having to explain what it is over and over and over again. And I thought to myself, there's gotta be a better way to just get the message out in a broader sense. And I found, you know, social media, podcasts, webinars, articles, things like that, where you're just reaching a massive amount of people at once with this same message, as opposed to, you know, speaking to individual, you know, people over and over and over again. So that's kind of where I took that direction. And once I had that first podcast, literally just snowballed. (laughs) And to this
1: day, about two years later, I'm, you know, interviewed
0: on, you know, over 150 podcasts.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, you might be the most interviewed man in real estate, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know who's going to give you a run for their money. So, (laughs) but yeah, I think, you know, I hate to maybe go back to the, like you said, maybe the, not the, not the laziness, but kind of that, you know, desire to find those efficiencies. Right. And I think that's what you've done such a great job of. And what I'm so impressed by is, and that's one thing that I struggle with. I'm not a great self promoter. And I've just never happened. And I mean, I'm sure it probably was a learned skill for you too. You know, I mean, you seem like you're a very humble guy and, you know, you want, you know, for the better. So it probably initially it was a little bit challenging, but the fact, like you said, you, you found these podcasts, you found LinkedIn, you found these other avenues that you could project your message out there. And that those that were interested could come find you or now you had this built-in referral source of other people coming to you and saying, hey, you know, read this article or go listen to this podcast. You know, This guy talks about cost segregation. So get doing some research prior to this, I was listening to your episode with John Kasman and I really appreciated the fact that you were so open and honest too about who cost segregation helps and, and who it may not because I think right. a lot of times my challenge within the real estate and especially the syndication space, because it's getting so much attention right now. And there's so many people Mm -hmm. that are looking to get in for better or for worse, not, not, you know, condemning anything. But I think a lot of things, everything just is kind of like good, 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 good. Right. You know, so it's like, Hey, what's the other side of this? And, you know, that was kind of one of the impetus for the contrarian part of the show was just like, Hey, let's, let's air all the laundry, right. You know, good, bad, Mm -hmm. and different. Let's just talk about it. And so I think one of the things, and I don't want to get super tactical in this episode, but one of the things about cost, Segregation that I thought was interesting that you brought up was if you get that bonus depreciation in year one, but you don't have a lot of other income to offset that bonus depreciation, and you're not a real estate professional there's not really a whole lot of benefit. Yes, you get the loss carry forward and, you know, in the years to come, you can take advantage of that, but then you're going to get whacked over the head with the depreciation recapture, you know, on sale, potentially if you don't 1031 or whatever the case is, uh, especially if it's a syndication, which you can't, you know, or you can, but it's very, very difficult to 1031 out of a syndication. And so I think, I just, I, I love your transparency. And I think that, you know, is definitely something that, Unfortunately it seems like is less and less common you know nowadays right. and so like i said i don 't want to get super tactical, but I just think for people that are looking to educate themselves, just make sure you 're looking at all the factors and all the parameters because a lot of the things I just mentioned right there are pretty next level you know real estate professional right. you know loss carry forward you know, like you said you know, how, much, how much additional income do you have to take advantage of that bonus depreciation so Just make sure before you hear any of these new buzzwords and these, you know, sexy terms that you think are going to make you millionaire overnight or, or, you know, project you to this generational wealth. Just make sure that that the commentary and the education that you're giving yourself is accurate to your personal situation. So I just had to call that out because I I loved that was first of all, that was a great interview. But uh, second of all, I just really loved that you were like, you know, this is this is a great tool, but it's not a tool for everybody. So I really appreciate that. So yeah, so
0: I just wanted to, to, you know, interject there just a shout out to John Kasman because he's a great interviewer and that was, that was a, a good interview, but the funny thing is he's a marketer, right? His background is in marketing and that's, you know, target market insights, but Whenever you search for cost you search for my name, Yona Weiss, you'll find like tons of podcasts out there on, on Google, right? His is all, almost always at the top, like in the top pages. So I don't know what he's doing in terms of his SEO and, and his ability of putting it out there, but I'm very grateful that that happened to be a really good interview. And that's the one that's getting uh, you know, pushed out there at the top.
1: Hey man, surrounding yourself with the experts, right? You know, why reinvent the wheel when there's a lot of really smart people out there that you can just leverage their expertise? So yeah, no, he's 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 a great interviewer and and an expert marketer. So definitely check out his episode as well. I was able had the opportunity to interview him for the show. So he's just he's just a great guy and a grinder. Really great really great interview about how he kind of started and got into marketing in the first place. So definitely recommend any of my listeners to go and check out that episode as well. So let's dig into LinkedIn a little bit, right? Again, not necessarily on the tactical side, but Mm -hmm. so, you know, you move over to Madison, you've done this podcast, you've started posting some things on LinkedIn a little bit. Yeah, You said you're a lifelong learner dabbler. I mean, you know, some would argue maybe you're a data scientist, data evangelist, you know, in regards to to LinkedIn and your expertise. But so, so how did you go from just dabbling to, you know, one of the, at least within the real estate space, one of the best known personalities and, and experts within, you know, leveraging LinkedIn the most efficiently?
0: I think one of the most important factors was the consistency right at the beginning. And so I kind of made a commitment to myself. And I said, let's, I'm going to do this for 30 days straight. I'm just going to post and whatever it's going to be. And it wasn't all about and totally different things. And I had a program that actually a guy that I met via LinkedIn had set up called a 30 day challenge. And he had kind of posted different examples of different types of posts and different topics to post about and things like that, which just to kind of give you an impetus, give you ideas, let the mind flow and that was the biggest thing for me commit to just doing it consistently and wait you know do something do it consistently and just wait and see what the feedback you're getting when i started getting positive feedback and i started getting people reaching out and asking questions and especially like that first podcast interview and then from that i used that as you know a a way to create content about that podcast interview that snowballed into other podcasters seeing that and reaching out to me through that. So I kind of used techniques and I started following because again, like you said, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. I'm not, I didn't know anything about digital marketing. I didn't know anything about social media, but what I did know is that there are a lot of other people out there that do. And if I just watch them and see what they do and see how, you know, what makes their posts and their marketing strategy successful and just kind of replicate that in my own way, that's what's going to be, that's what's going to work. And I actually saw recently someone, someone post on LinkedIn about, uh, about this concept. And it was really about, I I never heard this before, but it really kind of uh, held held true to me. And I'm trying to remember, there's a guy, Taylor, I don't remember his last name. Anyways, he's a pretty good LinkedIn marketer guy. Again, a lot of these LinkedIn marketers, they have other companies, they have other things, but they happen to be doing it and doing it well. So I was just following people like him. There's a guy, Joe These people who are really good at LinkedIn and just watching them and doing what they're doing. Okay. So that's, that's basically the long and short of it. It was the commitment and, oh, so here's, here's the line that the guy says, this guy Taylor Offer, okay, he had a post recently, and he said, don't copy and paste, copy with taste. And he said, everything, basically, you don't, you don't come up with, like, ideas or nothing new. Like, you're never going to come up with a new thing. What you shouldn't do is plagiarize. What you shouldn't do is just take someone else's content and post that. What you can do is copy the idea, copy even the content to a certain extent, and put it in your own words, because ideas are out there. And if it works for someone else, it can work for you in your own way. And so I was doing, that's basically what I was doing. And I found that that was working. And when I was getting feedback and getting people reaching out to me through that, I was like, okay, the more you put in, the more you get out. And so I just continued to put in more, getting out more,
1: et cetera. I mean, that's such a cool, just, you know, rudimentary starting point, right? It's not like, hey, I took this course and I, you know, spent thousands of dollars and doing all this stuff. And I mean, it, I know that they say, you know, it takes what, I think 21 days to form a habit. And so, you know, 30 days of consistency. And that's, that's one thing I struggle with is, like I said, I'm not a self-promotion type person. I'm not really that big into social media. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't really dig that deep into LinkedIn until, I mean, honestly, and since COVID started, I had set really lofty goals of networking to start the year within real estate. And obviously those got submarined pretty quickly because of COVID. And so we was just started looking at LinkedIn a little bit. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm really still just a rookie, Um, obviously trying to follow folks like yourself that have, that have put in the time and the knowledge base and the expertise to get there. But through all of that, the biggest thing I would say to any listeners out there is if you're not doing something to, to brand yourself or to differentiate yourself from a personal level, I think that's a mistake. And that's one mistake that I've made for too long. And that's why I'm not going to do that moving forward. Uh, ironically, kind of talking about launching this podcast and just being more vocal on different platforms. I've actually built better relationships with my actual existing customers. It's, it's pretty fun and exciting. And they're like, Hey, I saw you're talking about this, or I saw you posted this. Like, that's so cool. I've been following your content and it's not necessarily that I'm doing it for that, you know, that applause and and whatever, but you know, I'm just trying to deliver value and, and and talk about things that I think are interesting. And so I think when you get nervous about it, about like, you know, well, it's got to be perfect. The post has got to be perfect. I've seen a lot of people say, if if you're thinking longer than 10 seconds about what you're posting, you're thinking too long.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's great
1: advice. That's so true. And so I just, that, that would be my biggest advice to any listener out there is just dip your toe in the water. It took me a really long time. And, and now I'm just getting in the habit of getting more consistent with posting. And you kind of build this little network and insulated and kind of to your point before about how you even landed the job at Madison, you never know. You never know who's listening, who's watching, who's seeing. And... You just don't know if somebody down the road, three, four, 10 years is going to say, hey, you had a post on LinkedIn that really resonated with me. And it just always stuck with me. Hey, we're hiring for X, Y, and Z. I saw you are an expert in, in that field. And I'd love to you know, broker a conversation. So I just, exactly. I just think that personal branding, is, in the, especially in this day and age, is so important.
0: It's huge. And it's such a great medium because, like you said, it's, it's really about building that community. It's relationships. I view LinkedIn as like a networking event. Right? It's like a 24 hour networking event. That's how I view it. So it's to me, and I love networking, but you go there for the long term. Like if you're going to a real estate meetup, for example, where there's maybe like 10, 20, 30, 50 people there. You don't really start to get to know people until you're there three, four, five, ten times. You have real conversations. And maybe you'll those people, you might go out with coffee, you know, for coffee later, or you might have a phone conversation or, you know, get it. But those relationships don't happen overnight. And so that's really what LinkedIn is. It's about meeting people and having that ability to connect with people all over the place. That's one big aspect of LinkedIn. Obviously there's the other aspect, we, other aspect we discussed before, which is the branding and about the posting and the content creation, which is huge as well, but not to undermine the networking, which can be done regardless whether you're posting or not.
1: Yeah, and I think one point you touched upon is, is looking at it for the long haul. And I think that's what a lot of people, you know, especially me being with the sales background is you kind of you know, one shot, one kill, right? You want to say, okay, great. You know, I've connected with this person. Now I want to sell them my service, my my product, whatever the case is. So I think that's just one thing for the audience and just in general to be cautious of is just make sure you're going in with the right intentions. And as Yona always says, you know, look to add value first. And then, you know, after that fourth, fifth, sixth t- touch point, if the prospect or if the, you know, if the contact is interested in what your, what your business offers They'll come to you, and I've always—that's always been my my level of success—is just starting with the conversation, learning more about the individual, and then if if they want to buy the service, you know they're not naive, right? They they know what you do, and they know that they can bring it out. But I mean, at the same time, you do also want to make sure that they do, you know, make sure that they know what you do, right? (laughs) And that's (laughs) that's that's a huge
0: positive, and that's really one of the greatest things about the the social media aspect of it is the ability to to tell people, like I said, for to be able to tell people a message. Uh, at scale, if you do it right, is so powerful. And I would say this to anyone who is in any type of business that they find themselves having to have long conversations with people and having the same conversations over and over with people uh, about the same exact questions. Social media is such a huge opportunity to put that out there and do that repeatedly to the point where – and, and podcasting especially, like you can get on podcasts literally without selling, just explaining these different things. And people will then recognize you as the one who knows about this and the one to go to about that because you're the one that can explain it well. And, and they had those questions and you just answered them. So they're most likely going to remember you.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. That was very well said. So, so okay, so you've gotten into it, you've, you've done your 30 days, and now you've had this exponential growth. So, so what's it like now, you know, having this following and having, you know, everybody kind of know you as the, the cost king, which is outstanding, uh, you know, great personal branding, and then also this LinkedIn expert. Obviously, you know, people hold you to this very high standard. What's it like kind of, you know, having that expectation and what kind of people come to you asking for
0: For me, it's just about giving back, right? It's about what can I do to help people? What can I do to give to people? And I really, really, really don't like think about it too much. I don't think like, I know a lot of people think about, you know, who should I be giving to? And I do make, you know, conscious awareness, like who's this person? Are their intentions sincere, et cetera. But at the same time, I'm just there to help people. So if I can help anyone, happy to do so. Like really. People And I have like a free, like a Calendly link. And I I specifically put that out there on, you know, all my social media channels. Like the first thing under my, you know, my profile, first line is like, do you want, you know, a free consultation or sign up for like a free, you know, phone call or whatever, a introductory phone call. And that's open to anyone. So I've had some, you know, really interesting conversations and people will take advantage of that as just like an opportunity to sell me. Uh, You know what? (laughs) happens right yeah it's, yeah that's fine you know but uh, it doesn't get me down but i put that out there because that's what i want to do i want to help people want to be able to to see what i do to give back
1: Yeah. Well, I guess that's a free invitation. Everybody go check out his page for the Calendly link, right? Free 15, 20 minute phone call with Yona Weiss. So, uh, you know, that's definitely worth uh, the cost of admission for sure. So there's another side of that too, that I was kind of curious about. I know I've seen some posts from you before about people taking advantage of your likeness for their own personal and financial gain too. So I think a lot of times people want to aspire to this certain level of Success or prominence, and it's great, and I'm not saying they shouldn't, but just know that there are are two sides of it. So, so having this this personality and this brand, what are some of the downsides for people trying to to take advantage of that? I think the
0: the downside, I mean, is really is yourself more than anything else, more than anyone else. I Meaning, take advantage of yourself, like just not giving yourself enough time. To do the things that you need to do because you're you're committing over committing yourself uh, or, or spreading yourself too thin other people taking advantage of you it's very few and far between obviously it happens and i want to assume the best intentions right people probably didn't mean it with you know maliciously plagiarism happens all the time okay it doesn't matter what you do i mean i've had people and the best way to approach that is to just really Ignore it and be flattered by it, right? Because that's what they say, right? The the uh, uh, flattery. What's the best form of flattery? Is what's the word
1: copying? Right? Yeah, or what, I can't remember the exact uh, terminology, but yeah, imitation, people come, imitation. Imitation. There you go. There you go. I'm not too
0: worried about it. Like I said, the biggest worry that I have, if any, is that I'm spreading myself too thin and you know helping too many people and not spending enough time on on what I need to do.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I mean, it's good to be conscious of that too, right? Just say, hey, you know where is my time being spent and what's the return on that on that time and effort and you know what's how does that align with what's important in my life if yeah. you're just on social 24 seven, trying to build this business brand. That's great. Not saying you shouldn't do that. But if you have to look at the other side of it too, and understand, is that impacting your family? Is that impacting your health? You know, just make sure you're looking at everything 360. So one thing that I think is kind of funny is I've run into a bunch of people and obviously we run in the same circles from a real estate perspective, but you know, a lot of people think you're the CEO of Madison Specs. Do you think it's more common that people think you're an employee or that you're the CEO of Madison Specs?
0: It happens quite a bit actually, um, <laughs> it happens quite a bit. So I've been with the company for a little over three years, right? And I'm working the business development side of things. I'm not the CEO whatsoever. I don't run the company. I'm not an owner of the company whatsoever. One of the funniest stories happened is that the founder and CEO a couple years ago was at, uh, was at Recon, ICSC, one of the biggest commercial real estate conferences in the world. And, you know, Madison, we have a huge booth there every year, you know, like massive, um, you know, the largest booth you can have basically, you know, one of those big things. And people are coming in and out of there and one guy comes in and my, our CEO was there and he's speaking to someone like, you know, talked about cost segregation. And the guy says, oh, I'm working with a different company, a guy by the name of Yona Weiss. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and he was, he was very, he was very flattered by it, but kind of taking it back. But I think that goes to, that goes to the point back to the personal branding, right? People are going to do business with you because who you are and not necessarily the company. So I don't really, I encourage that for people to do like people should be doing business with you. The fact that you work with this company, listen, I couldn't be the Cossack King if it wasn't for Madison Specs. Because they are the Cossack kings, okay? The biggest conservation company in the country, right? They have you know, a huge team doing tremendous work, real experts. So I'm not doing the accounting work, I'm not doing the engineering work. I have an amazing team of people behind me that are doing that, that can allow me to have that persona and kind of be that face that allows people to get the value that they need. That being said, I wouldn't, I would never do that, right, if I were like just. On my own, like that, that would be just fake and phony to me. I would never be the, you know, claim to be the constant game. I was just like on my own, just start up in my own kind of thing. And you can kind of see through that with people as well, like guys who are in in our circles who are like syndicators who've been doing it for a year and are already like, you know, the biggest thing since since sliced bread. You know, and they own three thousand units and their, uh, you know, own six hundred. Ten thousand. You're like, not
1: giving them enough credit. Ten thousand right? under <laughs> under management, right? And. <laughs>
0: You know, if you actually broke down their their actual equity portion, they own about seven units altogether. But again, it, it goes to show you that you really need that humility and you need that team behind you. So yeah, I have had many, many times people ask me like, so this is your company, like how long are you doing for it for that's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I just I just had to throw that in there because I, I know that I've had a bunch of people bring that up to me. So well the last thing I wanted to touch upon before uh, the final contrarian three-pack is your fondness for philanthropy and charity too. So I wanted to kind of hear a little bit about some of the causes you've been a part of before and how that's impacted your life as well.
0: Uh yeah, I've actually since a time I was young, I have this kind of worldview and it comes from my Jewish Uh, traditions is that our we have a job everyone has a responsibility for the entire world okay we have something that we call tikkun haolam which is basically fixing the world like we have a individual and communal responsibility to like take care of the whole world and to me that you know everyone finds their own niche and their own thing that drives them uh, to do that for me it always starts at home okay it always starts in the community and, and that's really um, individuals. You know, I, I was a certain point in my life where I was, you know, a teacher and not really making much money and had, you know, sometimes where I was really <laughs> struggling and I had people help me out. Uh, and, and so I, you know, take that as like the biggest form. What you can do is to really help someone else out. Okay. It's not just about charity, philanthropy, giving money to some random cause. It's about how you can do to actually help an individual get them back on their feet get them to be able to support themselves, right? There's an old saying, right? You teach a man to fish, right? Catch a fish, right? Give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach him a fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. There's this actually, they say it's an old Chinese saying, the, the Rambam Maimonides, who was a 12th century a Jewish uh, rabbi philosopher said the same exact thing in different words, and which was that the highest form of charity you can do is to, is to teach another man a profession. Okay. You can teach another man how to sustain themselves as opposed to just giving them food. So for me, that's, that's the, the focus that I did actually about 10, 10 or 11 years ago or so. I founded a, a nonprofit organization for that purpose in of itself, right? To help people and to kind of be there for people who are struggling, right? Uh, widows, orphans, like things like that. People who are struggling with sickness and their families and raise a tremendous amount of money for people in our community uh, doing that. So that's first and foremost, where I, I focus in the, the local community.
1: Man, that's that's an amazing story. And I think that just, your, your hum- humility just, you know, I mean, it just comes out so much. And I mean, it just, I think that's such a tremendous value to, to the community, not only, you know, within real estate and LinkedIn, but just, just to the world. So I think that's awesome. So I, obviously I appreciate that. And I know many of our listeners appreciate, you know, your willingness to, to do that. So, all right, we'll wrap up with a contrarian three pack. So, so one of the questions is, so what's the most contrarian investment that you've ever made? So something off the beaten path, not stocks, maybe something a little bit, you know, cynical within real estate, or, you know, even something kind of just totally off the wall what's been your most contrarian investment i would say
0: and and there are haven't been a lot of you know investments in terms of monetary investments for myself personally but i think most beaten off thing was and thank god is actually something that fell through right but it was actually a development that of 28 townhomes that uh a big company, like a really big, you know, reIT reIT you know, size company was developing this project. And a friend of mine, you know, found out about it and we're like, wow, it's so great. It's a great location, everything like that. And we try to find out who the owners are. I we went through this whole due diligence to do this. And then we actually had a, a personal friend connection with someone, you know, one of the top people in this company. And we ended up going to negotiations like, cause they had stopped, the development we try to figure out why did they stop was there something going on like and uh and it turned out there was something that was going on which we could have taken care of like they had other projects that they were focusing on more that had more revenue for their company as so this was a smaller revenue but without all the overhead of like a small group as opposed to a large corporation it could have been tremendous profit <laughs> that was that was the most weirdest thing because i'd never done anything in development before i never even imagined doing anything like that and we're like yeah we can do this and we spent, you know, we spent months literally in due diligence and lawyers and everything like that. And thank God, at the, at, you know, towards the end, we actually ended up pulling out and not, not invested a lot of time and money into, uh, into almost doing that. So I think that was, for me, the most contrarian.
1: Yeah, no, and it's interesting, you know, sometimes the, some of the best investments are for us are the ones that don't end up panning out, right? It's sometimes it's a, uh, you know, it's a little bit good fortune, but again, back to your point earlier about things happen for a reason. So you learned a lot and uh, you know, now you're better off for it. So, so what's your favorite thing to do with friends and family outside of Kaseg, outside of LinkedIn, outside of the business realm? Um, you know, it's just,
0: hang out with my kids, like just playing with my kids. Like that's my favorite thing to do. And I have six kids, so it's really easy for me to, to do that (laughs) at any time. Uh, you know, my oldest son is, uh, just turned 14 and he loves to, he loves to build and like do things like that. So like whenever we can do some sort of project together, like that's, that's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm the right there, right with you, the same way, you know, family time and spending time, getting to do things together, especially in the COVID world, you know, outside as much as we can, uh, you know, right. going to the park, going on a hike, just doing something yeah. to break up the the monotony of being stuck inside is always the most enjoyable for me. So, I think we may know the answer to this, but but in life, what offers you the most fulfillment? The the answer that you probably
0: would assume would be just giving back, right. Helping people out. And I really do to, to be honest. Like, I think it's part of who I am, like my, on a soul level, like just ha- having to, to help people. But for me, to be honest, like the most thing that gives me fulfillment is just like being alone, <laughs> being alone and just with my thoughts and praying and meditating, praying and, and just immersing myself in, uh,
1: in that that's that's the best <laughs> nice, nice, no, I appreciate that no i wouldn't have, I absolutely would not have guessed that, so learning something new, so well, and then I guess I'll add one extra because uh you know i I'm curious to hear this one, so what does success mean to you? Oh, there you go. Good question. So, you know, finally you look, one good question at least. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, God forbid, God forbid you, you've uh, I said that because, because this is the question I ask all my guests on at the end of my podcast um, and success to me means, and you know, it's different. It changes all the time. And to me what just comes to mind right at this moment is just really being able to help people like that's to me being successful is and on many levels. So number one, like even on monetary success, the more money you make, that just means the more money you've been endowed with that you can help other people with. That's honestly how I believe it. Like we're only given money, given wealth for that purpose. So to be successful monetarily is not making a lot of money for yourself, but making a lot of money so you can give back and give to others. I'll leave it at that.
1: And I, and I totally agree. And I think that's one of the things that I push myself to kind of be better and, you know, have more means is so that I can do more. And, and also, I mean, you're talking about monetarily, but also with time, right? Time freedom exactly. and the more means you have to, to pay bills and, and other requirements that gives you more time to go back and give back to the community and help those around you. So, well, Yona, exactly. this has been an outstanding conversation. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And I mean, you know, I've learned so many things about you that I didn't know before. So thank you so much for joining us.
0: My pleasure, John. Thank you very much for having me. And I also enjoy this very much. Probably one of the best podcast conversations I've had.
1: Oh, man. Woo! That, that, Woo! that means a lot, man, coming from you. So well, most importantly, Yona, how can our listeners, not that this is going to be hard, but how can our listeners best get in contact with you?
0: Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, obviously, uh, but you can go to yona.weiss.com, which uh, also you can find out a lot, lot of other things going on currently. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Well, and your Calendly link on your LinkedIn page. So, you got, you got that free time that you can snag on his calendar. So, all right. Well, till next time, Contrarian cash flow, live fulfilled. Thank you for listening to Contrarian Cashflow. I would greatly appreciate it if you left an honest review, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode, and share with someone you feel would find value. Till next time, think different, earn different, live fulfilled.